Stardate 1001.2020. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod, a kind of funny, kind of smart podcast about new Star Trek and beyond. I'm your reluctant captain, Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen, we have Mariah Gossett and Grant Davis. This week, we're covering the penultimate episode of Star Trek Lower Decks, the penultimate episode of season one, I should say. Show's not canceled. <laughs> nope. I think it's already been renewed. <laughs> Recovering episode nine, Crisis Point. And I'm so glad I'm here this week because even though my allergies are killing me and I just ate my weight in Sudafed, so please bear with me. But I- I'm glad. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm here because, well, last week I wasn't here because I was feeling sick because al- Austin is the allergy capital of hell. But I'm glad I'm here because I am dying to talk about this episode with you guys and with everybody in the live chat because this was a good one. But before we get into it, Mariah, can you tell our listeners slash viewers how they can support the pod? Yes. So the first way you can support this little show of ours is to make sure you are subscribed on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. Um, Make sure you're subscribed. If it's on YouTube, hit that little bell notification button so you know when we are going live uh you can find all of the links to that at startrekpod.co uh my phone just buzzed because it's notifying me that we're live right now Uh, another way to help us support us is go to patreon.com slash star trek pod this is a place where you can make a per episode pledge that means you give us two bucks an episode and you only get charged if we put up an episode that week and in exchange you get bonus exclusive content. You get access to our exclusive Slack channel where you can chat with other people in all sorts of different uh, threads that we have going on about everything Trek. You can also join us on our little exclusive um, episodes that we'll do where we talk about like the Kelvin movies. And that comes in handy quite a bit with an episode like this, as we're going to uh, get to in just a bit. Once again, that is patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Yes, indeed. And if this episode of Lower Decks made you want to watch the Star Trek movies all over again. You have a cat toy? (laughs) Uh, Sudafed's kicking in. (laughs) Hi, guys. Um, If this episode of Lower Decks made you want to watch those movies all over again, then you must join us at patreon.com slash Star Trek pod because we've covered most of the Trek movies, uh, most of the TOS movies. We did most of the Kelvin movies. Of course, there's only three. Um, but yeah, join us on Patreon. We had a blast doing all that and we're still going to do more movies. So check that out. Uh, patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Also, if you are watching us live tonight, join us on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or Facebook. Uh, please participate in the live chat. And if you have a comment or a question, as always, um, you want us to address later during the pod, just type the word pod, capital P, capital O, capital D in all caps before your comment so we can see it. Okay, let's liberate some lizard people, turn up our lens flares, and dive into this episode of Lower Decks. Episode 9, Crisis Point, a.k.a. Crisis Point, The Rise of Vindicta, a.k.a. Star Trek, colon, Lower Decks, colon, the movie. Mm, (laughs) Worth it. Episode 9 was written by Ben Rogers and directed by Bob Suarez. Uh, This is the one where Mariner is told by her mother, the captain, to go get some therapy. 
You and know she how just gets... I already feel about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Mariah's been advocating for since the beginning. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to wait until we <laughs> introduce our segment. Even though Ma- Mariner balks at the idea of therapy and decides to make a Star Trek movie in the holodeck instead, she actually does give herself some great therapy by the end of this episode. Um, I really want to get into this, guys, so let's... Let's talk about some hot freaks. Hot freaks! All right, if you're new to Star Trek Pod, you know some other podcasts do hot takes. We do hot freaks. Uh, Who wants to go first? Mariah, let's hear from you. Yay! I literally felt like they wrote this episode for me. Like, <laughs> it, the cold open is about how she needs to go to therapy. She makes a joke about how it's the 80s. Technically, it is. It's the 2380s. <laughs> and... We get to, I mean, the therapist is voiced by Paul F. Tompkins, who is also the co-host of the Pod Directive podcast with Tawny Newsom. So there was just like some extra fun, I think, voice chemistry going on there between the two of them. Um, I thought all of the fruit references, food references were really silly and stupid in the therapist office. And then this episode Every time I say it, it's always jam-packed with the references. And I think they managed to hit every original series uh, film, as well as all of the like post-2009 Star Trek films, and then a small peppering of everything else in between. So they, they, they really hit the nail on the head. The, um, I think my favorite scene is the way too long, it's so funny, it's so long uh, view of the ship from every possible angle. I thought oh, yeah. that was genius <laughs> visual gag. I loved it so much. Um, and then, yeah, it finally gave me what I, I wanted, which was some deeper exploration of Mariner's character, which I think we finally got here. I just thought it was a great, great episode all the way around. Grant, what do you think? Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that the entire conceit was brilliant getting to make their own mini Star Trek movie that no, not only um, parodies all of it, but also does loving homage to it and uh, how it, how it fuses its mockumentary style with um, just like we are engrossed. We are a part of Trek and we are happy to pay tribute to all the greatness and all the hokiness throughout time. Uh, they just layer it all in and they do it in a way that continues to develop these characters. And it really <clears throat> gives us some, some insight into Mariner. And, and I feel like at the end of this, we got some actual definitive character growth, whether or not this like continues on going like into the next season. I don't know, but it, it feels like, there is no turning back with some of the things that happened here, which is very exciting because I think this will start propelling our characters and our story and in, into uh, the future and show that lower decks doesn't have to be uh, constrained anymore. So I'm, I'm extremely yeah. excited about what this episode did. Me too. I have to agree with both of you. This was probably my favorite episode of lower decks so far. Um, it's one of my favorite episodes of New Trek as a whole, of all the new Star Trek shows we've gotten. Um, because if this was a lesser show, the the whole episode would have just been the spoof, right? Because the jokes, the references, 
were really funny. And even if you didn't, even if you're not a Trekkie, they're still funny. But if you are a Trekker or Trekkie, they're, I mean, I was laughing uh, more than I've ever laughed during this show. It was so hilarious. They get everything right. But like Grant said, they they do it with a wink and a nod and a hug, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, it's paying homage because uh, obviously Mike McMahon and the writers love Star Trek and they live for this, right? And it, it's it's there. It's all there on the screen. You can feel the love. You can feel the warm embrace and you can feel the... Um, uh, the 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 kind of mariner vibe where she's like fuck it i'm going to i'm going to mess with this a little bit and that's what they're doing on this show um have you guys seen that that movie paranorman bits mm-hmm. yeah it's actually really really great and we're watching it as to kick off our our oktoberfest um halloween movie marathon nice. and paranorman's a great one because it's um it's a CGI feature, but it it's made to look like a um, a stop motion feature, and it's crafted with so much care and love and attention. And we're watching it earlier today. I'm like, I haven't seen an animated film that is crafted with this much care and love and attention, not only for the story and the characters, but also the the look and feel and the jokes. You can tell someone put a lot of love into this, and that's what I get from Lower Decks. This is not a, a cash-in show. This is not as Star Trek's hot right now. Oh, my God. Star Trek's so hot right now. <laughs> and uh, let's just make a cartoon since we're in quarantine and we'll, we'll get the eyeballs in CBS All Access. No, this is crafted with love and intention. And it's that was so clear in this episode because not only was, like I said, not only was this just a wall, wall-to-wall um, grab bag of, of Star Trek parody and spoofs which it was that but it was much deeper than that this is probably the deepest episode we've gotten i mean it was mainly a mariner story as they most most of these episodes are which i love she is one of my favorite new trek characters maybe one of my favorite trek characters of all time but um there was something for everybody to do in this episode and um there were things revealed about each character in this episode, in a really deep way. Uh, of course, Mariner the most, and we'll get into that. Uh, and then even Boimler. I started kind of feeling for Boimler in this episode. And then we, the stuff we've been bringing up about Tendi, the uh, how is she and Orion in, yeah. in Starfleet? Is Orion part of the Federation now? Aren't they a bunch of slaves and slave traders and smugglers? Isn't this what's that? And then that was addressed in a great in a great way and then um uh rutherford R- rutherford yeah oh my god the truest of like lawful good ever yes. created is rutherford <laughs> exactly yes we we even though the in this episode the show reminded us how much of a lovable positive person rutherford is which we already knew it even took that a little deeper and also brought us to one of the um, almost most, um, I don't know, like, it was just great. Just him, him and his relationship with the uh, the uh, engineer, Paul the lead Shears. engineer. Yeah. On the show. Paul Shear's character, yeah. Yeah, Paul Shear's character. I mean, um, I'm not sure if their, their relationship at the end was intended to be homoerotic, but that's what I read. 
I feel like they're giving us like that, yeah. the fact that we usually don't get to see queer characters on TV and this is right. all we would get in like old Trek. And so there I was like, go. I feel like it's that nod of being like, we can't say it, but we're saying it like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I just, thought that was when, when the cat doctor was like, yeah, you guys go get it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, to put a button on it, this episode was the funniest episode of Lower Decks I've seen. And it also made a lot of room for some great deep character development. Oh, yeah. We also got the reveal that uh, that Rutherford's first name is Samantha. Samantha. So good. S- Samantha with an N at the end. Samantha. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably the first episode that I want to watch like multiple times and not just to count the references, but I, I want to go back to that turning point Mariner had when she, um, when she started fighting herself. Um, I want to dive into Mariner guys in this episode. What do you think was revealed about her um, from your perspective in this episode that we, we haven't really gotten before? I feel like she finally understood that she actually believes in herself, right? Like, I think she, for a long time, she has been this, like, sort of fuck up, pushing the boundaries, break the rules, because she, you know, was sort of maybe that stick in the mud uh, straight A student at the academy. And when she broke out, she was just, like, burnt out of it, you know, probably burnt out of the rules. And, um burnt out of having to appeal to her parents who are such high ranking um, folks in Starfleet. And so I think she finally had the epiphany that she can be good in her own way. And it's going to be somewhere in the middle of her breaking the rules and following the rules because she does have a love for her mom as a captain and can see that that love is there. And I think it was just her feeling frustrated in how, her mom is showing her affection and her love. Yeah, absolutely. Like her being able to confront herself and use the hollow deck as therapy session instead of the, uh, the, the, the food metaphor. <laughs> oh man. Paul F. Tompkins is so good. And that he, it had such an immediate, um, Bojack Horseman vibe. <laughs> I mean, he's also Mr. P- Peanut Butter on Bojack Horseman, but um, just how he, t- all of his line delivery and how it's layered with, with food metaphor nonstop felt so Bojack Horseman to me. Um, even before realizing who it was voicing, I was just like, oh, this is, this is perfect for the idea of, of therapy. And I think, uh, that's really heavily explored in, um, in Bojack, by the way. But it was clear that that kind of format, and environment was not going to be helpful to Mariner and her just kind of devising as a joke, this, um, this holodeck as a, as a film system that might be therapeutic and it ultimately working out to her benefit to kind of peel back these layers of why, what her defenses are, why she's lashing out. And when she doesn't even get to necessarily confront her mom, because the more important person she needs to confront is herself and her conflicted feelings about this. Um, she gets to kind of come to this, this epiphany of like, you know what? I, I do have enough self-reflection to kind of recognize that my relationship with my mom is complicated. I can see 
where she has pushed my boundaries of where I was comfortable, but at the same time, she's always looking out for me and I do feel safe and at home. And these are all things that like we've commented on uh, throughout our review of this show um, and kind of recognized from an outsider perspective. And, and the show's done such a great job of kind of taking us along and, and giving us a window into her character, into this personality. Like, I was like, was this show written because they listened to us? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, at times That's... I'm like, ah, oh, they must listen to the stuff Mariah's always saying. Cause they're just <laughs> nailing it. <laughs> That's the thing. Because, um, I think throughout our coverage of this show, uh, We've all talked about this, but I think, Grant, you've been the most vocal critic about wanting this show to be uh, less episodic and more uh, serial or serialized. Mm. Um, And I think, yeah, the show is hearing you or (laughs) or something's going on because this episode would not have worked um, so emotionally and paid off so much for the character arcs if this had been episode two or episode three. We really had to live with these guys for a while to invest in them and really to get to this place where Mariner is literally facing herself and um, uh, getting getting down to the idea that she really does love being in Starfleet. And um, it was heavy. It was a, like it was abusive. Very yeah. It was. Yeah. It, it felt toxic at times and just absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, you're laughing one second and that the other time, the next second you're just like, Oh man, I feel for her. I feel what she's feeling at times. I can relate to some of this and it's just, Oh wow. <laughs> this, this cartoon is really doing a great job of, of walking that tightrope of emotions. I think. Yeah, yeah. When she, when she broke down and was fighting herself and said, it was something like, you think you're a badass, but if you really just stepped up and did a good job every day and realized that you enjoy doing a good job and you can and you like it here, then you'd really be a badass. That was right. such a crystal clear moment of of self-reflection that you don't really often see on on the other Star Trek shows, to, to be honest. Yeah, it was so great and so deep and uh, done within this entire like hilarious uh in 22 minutes in 22 (laughs) minutes within this entire like this parody episode that takes place on the holodeck i mean what a brilliant thing instead of like you know this episode could have just been her and paula tompkins paula tompkins the cat doctor and that would have been pretty funny and her dealing with that and figuring that out but um mike mcmahon and, and his crew decided to really exploit the idea that this is animation put it in the holodeck, make it look amazing, um, make it even more entertaining, and um, make fun of and embrace all those great movie tropes that we all know and love. One of, the, one of my favorite movie tropes that this, that this episode brought up was when Rutherford um, does something special where he like comes up with a new way to beam everybody to safety. Mm-hmm. It's like it's yes. a movie. You can beam whatever you want. <laughs> it's a movie. You could do whatever. And that's so true. It's only in the movies where they have these special new technologies that you've never seen on the shows. Perfect. But it, but his his line delivery where he's he's so excited, he's like overwhelmed and kind of just like stuttering it out. Yeah. It it has that that like realism to it that I think um 
I always get from like Rick and Morty where they're like, they're so excited that they're just like, we're yeah. vomiting it out and just kind of tripping over themselves. So it's like, yeah. But yeah. the the whole thing, like the, it's a, it's a movie, you know, so like as a movie, you can just do that shit. <laughs> I was like, that's so good. Yeah. My favorite I, part. I also really, I love the idea that Mariner is the architect of her own therapy as well as the architect of her own demise in like so many mm. ways in this episode, because she is over at the computer, you know, and Boimler's like, are you writing a whole movie right now? And she's like, no, just the main like plot points, some, some set pieces, you know, <laughs> and the computer is going to fill it all in. And I was like, man. I know, I mean, so many writers process their own like emotional baggage through their writing and in script writing. And it's like, you know, how many comedians do we see their first season of whatever show they've written is partially or mostly based on their own real life. And so it's like Mariner has created this whole film for herself. But it's so interesting to me that she's cast herself as the villain because she does see her mom and her being on these polar opposite sides. And I just love that she finally realizes at the end that she is only literally fighting herself and she's not fighting her mom. Like she's just fighting her own internal battles. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was such a beautiful way for them to tie that all at the end. Um, And then I really appreciated how they use Tendi's character to sort of address like the many tropes that sometimes people get cast in, you know, in Hollywood and in film and television, you know, yes, we have these preconceived notions of what an Orion is and we haven't seen a lot of them in Star Trek, you know, in the newer movies, we saw that uh, Uhura's roommate was an Orion, but we never really get much of an explanation for her, her character Um, We just get to see her in her underwear. So it's like, again, 2009, baby, 2009. Um, So, yeah, so I really appreciated that. And like Tendi to me was speaking for the audience when she's like covered in Shaq's fake holographic blood. And Mariner is like, "Ooh, you should wear his earring. (laughs) And she's just like, his ear is still attached to it. And also, it's not okay for me and Orion to wear religious garb of another culture. Like, no, not even in a pretend movie. And I was like, man, Tendi gets it. Like, <laughs> that, that's that's right where the uh, th- that was that was the uh, where the wave started falling back for Mariner when she yeah. got a little too into the carnage mm-hmm. and was tore that off his ear and was like, look. And then um, she was really having fun murdering. All yeah. of her crewmates, like a little too much fun. Yeah, and part of me cathartic. was like, yeah, part of me was like, man, I could put myself in in these shoes. It would be mm-hmm. totally cathartic to murder, not you guys. That would be great. <laughs> right, row. Um, but yeah, and then you know, stylistically, you know, I said it in um, my hot freak about the scene that was like the the ship porn, like essentially. That oh, went so on gratuitous. for gratuitous, <laughs> gratuitous, and I just like as it was going, I was like, "Oh, please tell me there's more. Oh, and there's more, and there's more." Like once it does the, the overhead that just keeps spinning. spinning. Yes. <laughs> oh man, so that, good. That was also that was almost. I'm not. I'm not kidding, uh, Mariah. I don't know when the last time you saw the motion picture was. Uh, Grant, you've never seen Star Trek One, the motion picture, but there is literally a scene that clocks in at like eight minutes. Yeah, of the where ship. where Scotty and Kirk fly in a shuttle just like they did in this episode, 
and look at the Enterprise and bask in its glory. And we see all the circular porn shots of it. And Scotty is almost like the engineer in Lower Decks where he's like getting really verklempt about it. It's so great. It's <laughs> well, so great. I, I was also thinking it was hilarious that they spent so much of their episode on the title credit sequence with yes. the, the names flying at them. Like they made it amusing and they used it as, as a moment to, for them to kind of talk about what the whole thing was going to be, you know, the, the plot. So giving that expo exposition kind of dialogue, but at the same time, it just kept going and all these names. I was like, yes, that's how it feels whenever I watch one of those <laughs> movies yeah. with you guys. I'm like, it just takes forever, this title and sequence. <laughs> I'm not sure if the music cue during that title sequence was the music from Wrath of Khan, but it sounded just like it. I really oh, think it was. Their I think orchestra music was beautiful. It was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a Wrath of Khan music or a recreation of it. Um in addition to the music, which we got a more movie music cues going on throughout the episode and at the end, um, did you guys notice? I mean, obviously we noticed the the lens flares on the bridge and how yes. how how the lighting was was darker and different, like we it got, is in the movies. Like the Abram filter, and then we got the like original motion picture filter with the scratchies yeah. and like the, the, the film the bubble in the corner. The letterboxing, yeah. 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 <laughs> the aspect ratios kept kept changing and mimicking the movies. And yeah, the grainy lines and all that stuff was, was just beautiful. I mean, just people who are in love, not only with Star Trek, but with with animation and with, with film and television truly crafted this just to make us happy. Thank you. That's yes. all I, I got to say right now. The animators really outdid themselves on this. This has to be one of their most expensive episodes of the season because of all of the extra, like, because those ship Spinning scenes rotating shots looked yeah, yeah. so good. Like, Seamless. all of the back paintings were great. All of the backgrounds were great. All the extra, like, you know, they had to dissolve every single character that she shot. You know, there's so many extra pieces. Um, and then on top of that, the aspect ratio changing all the time. And like, when is that going to change? When are we going to go from it being like a fuzzy non remastered version? Cause there's that point when I think it's like right after they throw the Borg head and they're standing there, it sort of gets a little out of focus. And then it comes back. Like when you're watching an unremastered movie. <laughs> yeah. 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 This episode, I mean, it, it's been a, a long time coming throughout all these episodes, but I felt like this was the episode that clearly brought lower decks into the fold of like, you've, you've fully earned your place within the echelons of, of all that is Trek. And I am not the person to actually be saying that now that I realize like <laughs> I, I came into this fresh oh, to Trek with, with discovery, but I do start feeling a little bit now that I'm more familiar with the world of Trek. Um, that, that maybe that protective gatekeeper shit that I shouldn't feel, but, uh, <laughs> I, I, I was kind of thinking like, Oh, I don't know. Is this, is this fully what I want it to be? And they've been so careful and considerate and, and loving each step of the way. And I felt like with this episode here, how it masterfully glorified all these, these Trek tropes um, and how it integrated it all with pathos and character development and, and really making everything just feel so cohesive and, 
and loved and cared for in this world, this is it. Like this show, this show is easily better than Picard. <laughs> to me. It uh, belongs, belongs more in the world of Trek than Picard ever did. Co-signed, co-signed. Yeah. <laughs> I think, um, after this episode, I was really bummed that we only have one more episode of Lower Decks left for this season. But if they wanted to go out on a high note, I think they're doing it right. You know, this... I didn't think that we would get to the point where we're getting emotional payoffs from episode one all the way down to episode nine in terms of um, this is subtly serialized, you know? And it is. And it just, it just made everything so much deeper, especially... That ending, when mm-hmm. Boimler finds out Mariner's secret. Yes, Boimler has such a ridiculous... I kind of love that Boimler became, like, sort of this impromptu reoccurring joke throughout this episode, because I know his character can... Other people have found him annoying. I don't find him that annoying. But I thought it was, like, the appropriate response... <laughs> From someone who's in like a holodeck sequence that they don't want to be in. Like, hey, like I planned my time. This w- It's like the person who reserves time at like the tennis court or like, do you know what I mean? When you encounter those people at the park and oh, then they right. don't want to share. And like Boimler's like, yeah. okay, well, I'm going to share, but I'm still going to get what I want and need out of this. And so he's just like, I'm going to continue to ask the captain questions. And that scene where he's holding Ransom when Ransom is about to tell him what the captain is allergic to and giving him advice on the cookies was so funny. I was like, (laughs) it reminded me, I felt like the reference was to Wrath of Khan when, uh, when Kirk finds out his son has died and he's like, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. And, you know, that was the other thing that we had been asking throughout our watching of this show is, does everyone else know that Mariner is her kid or not? Because they're already always a little bit vague about it. And you could always kind of leave it up to uh, that's just not something they've ever mm-hmm. properly addressed. But people are aware and they just kind of ignore the problem <laughs> that's going on, the friction between them. But here was the confirmation underlined and exaggerated fully pointed out and articulated to us the audience that no one else on the ship except freeman and and mariner are aware of their relationship and i was like oh and the fact that boimler now knows and i don't know if you guys saw a little bit of the trailer mm-hmm. for next week but it's He's certainly not good at it <laughs> it's certainly gonna be a problem he can't keep a secret you know there was another layer to to that reveal that i thought was was a little dark and Maybe a little more interesting. So Boimler, Boimler is the one who initially um, coded all of these characters on the holodeck. He broke, he hacked into everybody's personal log, so it would be like a hundred percent like a direct copy of everybody on the ship. So the show is trying to tell us what these people say as holodeck characters. It's how they would think and talk as real people. So we, if we're going to take that at face value, when. Boimler realizes that Mariner is the captain's daughter. The captain, the holodeck version of the captain, says that she would, there would be huge, horrible ramifications for anyone on the ship who finds out that Mariner is her daughter. She would, 
lie, cheat, and steal to get them transferred off the ship or kicked out of Starfleet. Right. That was weird. Is it that she... Why do you think she would go to those extremes to keep that secret? Nepotism? Potential conflict of of interest there, potentially? Or maybe there's something even deeper going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's the possibility of it being deeper. It's also because it is the holodeck, it is just probably combing through, you know, it's like, when do you write in your diary? When things are really intense and you have a lot of emotions about stuff. And so it's possible that the captain's personal logs are, that is such a deep secret for her, you know, that it would respond like the holodeck would make it respond in that particular way. But I also think it might just be that she's afraid that people would either look down upon her because of that. Now that they see how she's treated Mariner and sort of let Mariner get away with things. And it, you know, right now it comes off as being like, oh, you're such a flexible, understanding captain. And then as soon as that changes, it becomes, oh, so you are treating her differently because of who she is. Right. Mm. Like, I, A, it was something that was easy enough to kind of laugh off at the at the beginning of the episode. Boimler just like grabbing private files because he wants to impress the captain. But now what a what a violation of people's trust and right. dark secrets it turns out to be to the point where like that's actually a pretty scummy move you just did there, Boimler. Like for for pretty much no gain except for to know to avoid chocolate chip cookies, right? <laughs> Yeah. And, and and you gotta say uh, um, a handsome girl about the ship. <laughs> I think those were the two yeah. notes yeah. you got. But handsome, handsome lady, handsome yeah. lady, handsome ship. Um, but Do yeah, th- I oh oh, I was gonna just say I think Boimler is feeling the ultimate repercussions because now he is saddled with this big big secret that he obviously did not want to know and ruined his interview with the captain because he now knows this secret. So I feel like he got a bit of a instant karma moment for his his sleuthing into personal logs um and then I, we'll I see guess what the bigger ones are next episode right as long as he's the one to bear the burden but mm-hmm. you know going back to what you're saying mike about like why would freeman captain freeman like react so aggressively it makes me wonder if like you're saying there is something there is another whole level to this that we haven't considered and if we take into consideration what we know about Mariner and that she was an extremely studious hard worker who had previous experience on a fast track to being a captain and everything was working out great. What if in part there was a much bigger mental breakdown that, that we're not even, it's not being addressed. It's, it's not even, made as like a joker reference we we know that obviously something happened and she's been relegated to being an ensign but what if it was a little bit more more psychologically severe to the point where there's something that snapped in her she's a little bit broken she now almost in like a paranoid schizophrenic way views her mother as like an enemy and competitor but her mom is so protective of her that if anyone finds out and jeopardizes her daughter's well-being while she's trying to keep her safe on the ship. That's why she'll go after them. Yeah, that is, a, I'm going to count that as a theory. And I think mm-hmm. it's a good theory because um, if it is true, this episode really laid the groundwork quite well for that because we got into some of the darkest depths of Mariner's psyche in this episode. 
And if we do get a reference next episode um, about some real dark mental break that she had, um, I'm going to instantly think about the dark shit she did in this episode and be like, okay, I buy it. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's also the possibility. So, like, with with mental health things like that, it's a possibility that you take things that happen to other people and you apply them and it somehow gets ingrained into your own sort of reality that's been constructed in your brain. So it's like, even if she didn't do any of the violent acts, but seeing a violent act has then implanted itself into her memory in a specific way that she believes somehow she's responsible for it. it it's like an interesting angle to that. Perhaps that Guilt might be a, manifesting as, yeah, like, yeah, you know, that might be a little, unless they've got like a, a psychiatrist on staff that might be like a, a little too in depth for, they got for Paul an F. Tompkins now. I mean, you never know. It's, it's like half the time I'm like, are they really going to go there? This is an animated satire comedy show. And then they go there in so many levels. So who knows? Like they could, they could really right. get in depth about some of this stuff. The fact Guys, that they're they going to, have... they're going to peel back the layers of the onion food yeah. joke. <laughs> but the fact sh- that they have uh Paul F. Tompkins, not as some like throwaway red shirt who can die the next episode, but as the annoying bird therapist who does the food references uh, means that we we should likely get him as a recurring character. And I'm super excited about that. Yeah, I mean, he's in the Star Trek family. He's co-hosting mm-hmm. the uh, official Star Trek podcast. Uh, I, I wanted to also talk to you guys about the opening scene that was obviously a reference to Saru, where Saru. you have the, the lizard people being eaten by the uh, by, the rat people, and it was uh, basically Kelpians, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, it could definitely be read that way. I know that's, there that's is the latest, ver- the latest um, uh, version Trek. of that. Yeah, of that yeah. trope in Star Trek for sure. I the was Kelpians. like the. Um, Oh, where's the other one? Anyway, oh, definitely- I have a whole list of all of the references that were made, and so it bring was it, like- bring it. There are definitely um, other other uh, storylines yeah. where uh, there was a, a predator race and, you know, submissive race on the planet where yeah. we had to intervene. Yeah. So in um, TNG, The Lonely Among Us, there's the Antikins, which were self-described carnivores, which apparently look like dogs. Um, in that episode, the right. Antikins were rivals with a reptilian-like species called the Soleil. Um, these particular lizard people don't look like the Soleil, but it's possible that it could be a reference to it. Also, there's just the, like the animated series, like a lot of these series will introduce just like different versions of this plot line. <laughs> like <laughs> that, I think that episode of TNG you just referenced, the alien costumes in that mm-hmm. are like 1980s Doctor Who. Yes. Awful <laughs> good. <laughs> you would love it, Grant. <laughs> awesome. I probably wouldn't <laughs> if, if it's Doctor Who. You would instantly turn off the TV. Like, yeah. No. <laughs> um, I I like that um, Mariner. I I think Mariner's um, Vindicta character really reminded me of a lot of these um, kind of overbearing, crazy, you know. Over the top. Over the top. <laughs> Thespians. Um, Qu- yeah. is, is she quoting Them- Temptus? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shakespeare oh quoting uh, villains that we get in Star Trek movies. I'm thinking of General Chang from uh, mm-hmm. from Star Trek VI. And we also got another Star Trek VI reference at the end when the cast of the holodeck 
signed their name at the at the end credits. <laughs> That's so good. And, uh, as, as well as when they they drop into the entire plot with them all jet skiing, just like uh, yes. um, Kirk mountain climbing or whatever. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they're on vacation, just like in Star Trek V, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also really liked, um, oh man, now I'm going to forget, but like, oh, when her cape gets stuck in the like weird elevator thing that they sort of like beam over in and it's just like, I, I feel like they also had some fun with some general pop culture references. Cause there's definitely like some things that felt like references to alien, you know, the like, get off my ship, you bitch. When she's just yeah. like, get off my mom, you bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> right, right. yeah, I think there was a couple, um, droppings of of the word bitch and they said something there about was which was the first one because i put uh, on the closed captions so <laughs> oh, they beeped out the f word like twice mm-hmm. yeah what did they call ransoms uh they said dick something or other oh yeah <laughs> in this episode and i was like dick Whoa. swab was it dick swab i don't know it was something weird like that i was like huh, <laughs> yeah. what is that one doing there okay <laughs> it's a weird one um i saw a comment on here i wanted to ask you guys about yeah P.W. Gregory says, if it turns out that Mariner is in witness uh, witness protection, WITSEC, uh, because she knows that Starfleet has been infiltrated by the body-ingesting bug creatures from conspiracy, I will flip my lid. I don't know what this means. I don't know what conspiracy is. Conspiracy was an early, early TNG episode in which um, high-ranking Starfleet officials were basically taken over uh, by parasites and uh mind warped to do evil things and take over the federation but picard being picard figured it all out and uh lasered the the queen uh like you do and got rid of the whole thing and for 30 years however old that that episode is almost every star trek fan has brought up conspiracy (laughs) and been like remember in that one movie when the admiral was a dick I, what if I bet he had one of those fucking alien bugs in him from conspiracy, bro. <laughs> <laughs> not not to belittle P.W. Gregory, but yeah. Lay uh, off the weed, P.W. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I was also going to bring up uh, Da Vinci, who's from, who is a, a big old character in Voyager from my favorite right, Star Trek. Yeah. And um, oh, okay. I loved that at the end, he uh, shoots Mariner's like evil version that's coming out of the Genesis planet. <laughs> yeah. Mariah, did you ever think you'd be watching a, a really deep uh, moving Star Trek show that ends with a scene with Voyager's Da Vinci um, inserted into a scene that is parodying the end of Star Trek Two when we see Spock's casket? Yes or no? I, no, no, I've never imagined that before in my life. Me neither. <laughs> um, <laughs> I found a, I was going to bring this up. So I, I really appreciate the writer on Den of Geeks who goes into all of the references of these episodes. Like, thank you, people who get these early screeners can figure all this stuff out mm-hmm. for me. Um, but apparently, do y'all know, did you hear about Star Trek Renaissance? Is that just like when they go back in time through the holodeck and they look like... There apparently was a script for a film that was developed before First Contact called Star Trek Renaissance. Um, Mm -hmm. It was going to be the second TNG movie. It was unfilmed, but Data was supposed to travel back in time and become Da Vinci's apprentice. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, I believe this is when Patrick Stewart read this. He said, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. (laughs) We're going to do a good movie. Um, 
Oh, uh, if we're going through comments right now in the live chat, uh, Chupi cleared something very important up for us. She said, Pod, Mariner called Ransom the captain's dick wig. Oh, perfect insult. Dick wig. It's uh, like a, a, a male merkin. <sighs> oh! <laughs> I do nice. know what a merkin is. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> dick Just wig. Little, wow. Yeah, yeah. A little male merkin Good. action. Good stuff. um should we uh put a call out for listeners okay listeners drop your or live watchers viewers drop your comments capital p o d in the chat we'll bring them up choopy another one from choopy is it just me or has this series so far just topped each other at a steady rate i've rarely seen a season with such momentum this is the best season one of star trek it's a great season even better than um um discovery season one i i'm a big fan of discovery season two i loved it and i love the end of discovery season one the the second half but this thing has if you would have asked me last week uh how to rate this season of lower decks i said it's been really inventive funny and consistent but now i agree with choopy after this episode it just actually keeps getting better at a steady rate yeah Here's, uh, here's one from Chris Rogers who says, Pod, this episode kind of touches on that Mar- Mariner is the badass Maverick because she's also a competent officer and the two are not mutually exclusive, which I think I would say maybe the ultimate badass Maverick of Trek because, yeah, she can fight, she can go wild card, but if she needs to, she can use diplomacy and, you know, save the lizard people from the evil the rat rat people <laughs> and like save a planet. Sure. I, that the rat people thing when she's just like, will you stop eating them if I give you food replicators? And he says, does it make nutritional uh, pellets? Like referencing <laughs> yes. like, pet rat food. I was like, Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That was so great. You know, that was, uh, that opening scene was just a, joke after joke and it was really good but i really like that the captain didn't just leave it she was like okay what can we do to stop Mm -hmm. you eating these people you know that was very much in line with the star starfleet captain i like that uh jc asks what did mike hey that's me what did mike think of last week's episode with the flashbacks before episode nine episode eight was my favorite i really liked the clip show uh that of clips that we never really got um the fake clip show you know kind of like what mm-hmm. community did uh back in the day i thought that was really great one of my favorite aspects of it was um rutherford uh kept rebooting and showing up in different places or different points of the plot yeah it was really inventive i liked it a lot um Chupi says Pod, I saw Pod's um, complaint about Mariner last week, us complaining that, uh, or other people maybe, uh, the I never get to clean the conference room line, but this week we see in her heart she loves the warp core. She does think the conference room is cool, and she's the like the person who really wants to love Trek, but thinks it's too lame to actually embrace out loud. She's a cool Trekker. Who's that person? <laughs> We'll get you in some Trek shirts and face masks here soon. I'm getting Grant, there. I'm getting there. <laughs> Grant, aren't you glad we tricked you into watching all those Trek movies? It really, you know, I didn't think it was going to pay off, and it really <laughs> did with this episode. I was like, oh, I got that reference. I got that it one. 
paid off for a straight 22 minutes. <laughs> and uh, and again, CBS, you can send us a check because we obviously pre-did all of those movies so that we could have this glowing review about this episode. <laughs> anyway, yes. I'm going to I'm going to keep Cut asking. The check. Never know. They might be listening. <laughs> Cut the check, CBS. <laughs> Uh, there's a comment here from Chris Rogers talking about Boimler. Did Boimler hack into personal logs or are they just available? Because I feel like it's always been this thing that people just assume they're private. That's never been clear because I think we've had this issue before in older Trek where someone just reads somebody's personal log or can just call it up. Um, seems a little invasive. I don't know. Maybe they're just like low security systems, like like your like teenage diary lock, you know, where you hide the key in the same box as your as your diary, <laughs> and it doesn't work very well to keep your siblings out of it. Uh, we got a comment here from WYSIWYG who says, "I love episodic television. I'm hoping Strange New Worlds is episodic because it's been a long time since we've had non serialized Trek." It's been a long time. <laughs> oh, no. God. Uh, following up on that, uh, serialized TV is overrated because they end every episode on a cliffhanger, which for me is lazy and manipulative. Um, I disagree. So, I love it. I think, <laughs> Tell it to Lindelof. I think, though, we've seen the increase in the cliffhanger because of the way television is released now in full seasons, right? Like Netflix and all of these platforms want you to binge through an entire season of a show so that you are left wanting more which they're then going to cancel after season two because they figured out that they make the most money off of the first two seasons so yeah mm-hmm. yeah they Netflix. suck they're the yeah. enemy so they're the enemy but um i mean i do enjoy so, like um episodic television i will say like at night like i revisit a lot of episodic shows things like Frasier and Cheers you know where there is like subtle character development but you could just jump into any particular episode and enjoy yeah. it um same thing with like it's kind of fun to skip around in places like Voyager and um and the original series and it's like of course you can get something extra out of the plot if you watch it all in order um so yeah we'll see what what happens with Strange New World and that's what lower lower decks is, right? It's not like hyper serialized, but right. Yeah, it's character. The characters are, the characters grow. Yeah, and um, I think like um, like Fraser Crane, mm-hmm. as as you mentioned. Right. Um. You know, I think too. There was like, I think you could if you watched like the first episode first, and then you could probably watch any of these in any particular order. It seems like until these last two episodes, which is fun because I probably would have done a little rearranging on on some of them um specifically i know we got some feedback i think also from WYSIWYG about the fact that we had like the potent the evil alien who turned out to not be evil and then another like something seems evil but then is not evil at the end oh, like right. back to back and so it would have been nice to maybe put a buffer episode in there uh from carolyn the classic star trek shakespeare reference was awesome into Winger Jr. being crushed after his shout-out in the credits, into the cape, and then, ah, chef's kiss. Yes, it was good. <laughs> chef's Agreed. kiss. Uh, Kern says, the original series still has the best season one for me of any Trek series, but Discovery and Lower Decks rank up there. You know, I don't think I've seen um, TOS season one 
all the way through since college, which was two years ago. So, Mariah, I know you probably watched all these in order. Uh, TOS. Do you, do you, do you, what is your favorite season one of a Star Trek show? This is something that Trekkers talk about a lot because typically a Star Trek show doesn't really find its footing until like season two or three. Yeah, I was going to say, as much as I love Voyager, season one is not my favorite season of Voyager. Um, no, no. And I mean, the first season of the original series is really, really good. I don't remember the last time I've watched it in order. Um, I often just like pick an episode. It's something that I like to, no no shade to it. I like to fall asleep watching the original series because it's just like it lulls you into a nice sense of security. Um, <laughs> it's boring. You're saying it's boring. It's no, boring. it's not boring. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think this has been a really great first season. I also, you know, I still really liked the first season of Discovery as well. Um, and I've we finally have started Deep Space Nine from the beginning in this household. So I will let you know about that one. Oh, and definitely a Deep Space Nine reference in this episode, which was great. Um, the uh, the Bajoran, what's his name? The big burly Jax. Bajoran. Huh? Shax. Shax. Shaquille O'Neal. Um, yes. <laughs> when he's trying to uh, to fight back with Mariner, he he mentions the Paul race in hell, and that's totally mm-hmm. a DS Nine reference, which is amazing. Yeah, um, guys, I mean, oh. I know I'm talking to a bunch of Star Trek fans, but if you haven't listened to the Pod Directive, the uh, the official Star Trek podcast that just came out um, with Tawny Newsom and uh, Paul of Tompkins, the latest episode that this dro- just dropped this week, which was um, who is the actor who plays uh, Rafi? Michelle something or other? Yes. Um, she is on the episode along with Tawny Newsom, along with two other Star Trek fans slash writers of color. Uh, yeah. Women. One is all, the, uh, the editor-in-chief of Star Trek.com. Of Star Trek.com, yeah. All geeking. Four really funny, smart, sharp black women who love Star Trek, all geeking out about Star Trek for about an hour. And it's amazing. And they all say DS9 is the best Star Trek which just hits me in the heart. So yeah, good stuff. <laughs> um, Chippy says, uh, pod, the opening scene also really brought up deeper things like peace one through oppression. Um, is that considered better and bringing freedom is harder. It's too much work, which, um, you know, Chris Rogers also follows up on and says the opening is also kind of playing on the criticism of Starfleet as just space colonialism, bringing mm-hmm. freedom. We, uh, many societies seem to like to bring democracy to folks who maybe might have a better system slash as we've seen this year. Is democracy great? Who knows? Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> oh, Takako says, uh, Michelle Hurd is yes. the actor who plays yeah. Rafi. Yeah. Thank I you. just pulled up the episode. So it's, uh, it's Michelle Hurd, um, and Angelica, uh, Bastion and Kendra James. Yeah. 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 Kendra's great, man. If you guys aren't reading the stuff on StarTrek.com. She's doing a bang-up job over there. Holy shit. Uh, not only is that... I mean, the great thing about Star Trek com, StarTrek.com under Kendra's watch is that she is uh, posting and editing um, essays that allow the writer to really critique the franchise in a deep way, which is great. I mean, name me another you know, major brand that 
allow that post content on its own website, cre- critiquing, like really critiquing its own creations. It's great stuff. Yeah. Really good. Great jab. Um, I wanted to ask if y'all picked up on the kind of a uh, Zahn uh, reference that Mariner says that in her movie, Boimler would be more of kind of a, a Zion and that he might not make the final cut. I didn't know I what didn't, that was. I thought no. maybe it was a Steve Zahn reference. Like, was he ever in one of the movies? This, again, <laughs> is such a deep cut. And I wanted to bring it up because I, one of the things I've so appreciated about this show is it reminds you that the people who are making it are super fans who have such a deep love because this is the maybe the deepest cut I have ever seen. Um, so David uh, Gatros car- uh, was supposed to be a Vulcan named Zion from an unmade 70s series called Star Trek Phase 2. And he was supposed uh, to be sort of like this replacement for Spock um, because at oh, the time yeah. they didn't know if Leonard Nimoy would return. Um, yeah. And so the actor who was supposed to play this guy eventually does appear in the Star Trek The Motion picture, but as a human. But I'm just like, dang, y'all are super <laughs> nerds. And you know I that- appreciate it. <laughs> A ping did go off in my, in a tiny dark part of my brain when I heard that name, but I couldn't I couldn't track it. So yeah, yeah, it's it's deep. I end up I feel like I need I I have to watch this show at least twice, once with the captions on, and I'm just like writing down things that I have to like Google later. I'm just like, ooh, what's this person? What's this name? I don't recognize that. Ooh, this is from this. Like, <laughs> it's fun. Anyway, yeah, there there's a Reddit page with every single reference listed it's quite long they're going for it <laughs> it's quite really long going for it yeah yeah they're really going for it good stuff okay guys um i know i said this is my favorite episode of lower deck so far um mariah did you i think you said that as well yeah this is definitely my favorite thus far the it, Grant, this in the pilot awful i hate it Ugh. i hate everything I, I only like picard of course that's the only show <laughs> <laughs> Only Picard in that one episode of Voyager with the uh, the Lower Decks crew on Voyager. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no. them and all of Enterprise. Mainly the theme song. The theme Enterprise song is, pretty, is a good, good show. The theme song I don't, I don't know, is it? It seems... I, oh, she's no. gone. She's <laughs> we, gone. Ki- we had to kick her out for that. You kicked me out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, there are a few episodes of Enterprise that have a line or two that I really enjoy. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, hey, if we're giving out props to other podcasts, <laughs> uh, P.W. Gregory says uh, everybody should listen to the Delta Flyers if they're Voyager fans. And yeah, you know, I'm not I, I watch Voyager. I'm not a huge fan, but I'm enjoying the Delta Flyers podcast with uh, the two homies from uh, from uh, Voyager talking about the old episodes. Their last episode was great because they had um, the guy who Ethan Phillips, the guy who plays Neelix on. <gasps> Yeah, I'm gonna have to and listen now. <laughs> he was so charming and so funny, and it was a great episode. Uh, speaking of podcasts, um, hey. Mariah, you guessed it on a podcast this week, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I think it's dropping tomorrow. You can hear my episode on a strange new pod, uh, where we deep dive into possible theories of what the burn is based on a Voyager episode. So we we theorize about the next season of Discovery. We talk about Voyager. What's not to love? Oh, no. Yeah. My backdrop just fell down. <laughs> <laughs> Was that your cat who did that? No, there's and not even a cat And she's gone. We just have here. to kick her again. <laughs> you mean you're not, you're not flying around in space? 
What's happening? No, it's, it's funny how your backdrop really matches the, the entire backdrop. video backdrop that we have. Yeah, yeah. So so good. I thought that was lie. on purpose, just for me. Oh no. Okay. Okay. The power of tape. There we go. Hung up back in, just in time for the wrap up. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> hey, if uh, if there are other Star Trek podcasters out there, uh, invite us on your shows. Hit Mariah did a great job on um, on uh, a strange new pod this week, even though her background keeps fucking falling down. <laughs> I'm just saying, my spouse came here in here and messed with it before the start of the show. I think this is sabotage. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Uh, but yeah, if you have a Star Trek podcast, hey, invite Grant I'm, on. I'm it. over it. Oh God, can you imagine me having <laughs> to like pretend to talk Trek with other people? Be like, I. Yeah, Bajorans or whatever. <laughs> we we are busy people, but we are we will make time for Trek. Uh, speaking of busy people, I forgot to bring up that Clyde is not with us today. You probably noticed, uh, Clyde. Is he is he around? Where'd no, he go? He's not around. No, no. he's he had a, a last minute away mission. So live long and prosper, Clyde. He will be back, of course. We're we're recreating him on Genesis. Yeah. <laughs> He didn't die, as far as (laughs) I know. (laughs) No. I didn't pull a Mariner and and shoot him with a phaser. We're good. (laughs) Okay, guys, anything else to say about this episode before we wrap it up? Nah, I'm I'm just excited for for the final episode. Yeah. And then, Discovery. We are living in the month in which Discovery Season 3 will premiere. It's October, baby. Oh, spooky. So excited. All right. Thank you so much for joining the pod this week. Remember, you can find us live on YouTube every Thursday. Talking Trek, of course, we'll be covering the next episode of Lower Decks. And we'll be covering Discovery Season 3 when the series returns very, very, very soon. Yes. And if you have enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you have subscribed. You can also rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Um, Give us those five stars. We would appreciate it. Let us know what you like about the show. Uh, And you can find links to all of that at StarTrekPod.co. And we've already mentioned it before, but you can help support this show if you're loving what you're hearing, especially if you're excited for the return of Star Trek Discovery by going to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod there. You can make a per episode pledge. We always recommend you do the $2 amount per episode, which comes out to about eight bucks a month. And in exchange, you get access to our exclusive Slack channel and all of the reviews we did of the Kelvin verse movies, which apparently comes quite in handy when you're wanting to watch anything with a bunch of deep cuff references like uh, lower decks. So patreon.com slash Star Trek pod do it yes yes and follow us on twitter and instagram at star trek pod and shout out to karen who helps run our twitter and james who helps run our insta and do a fucking awesome job thank you guys thank you so much for joining us again mariah where can we find you online um when i'm not in the space void of a guest room you can find me at mariah gossett on all social (laughs) platforms that's mariah with a y and a gossett with two s's and two t's and for our non-video watchers my background is just slowly slowly dying to reveal a very very messy bed (laughs) you've opened a portal into a a hostel (laughs) grant davis where can we find you uh at baron von grant right here as wolverine's claws stabbing into it you guys yeah. you guys can't see that if you're not watching the video you guys should join us on the video yeah yeah find Every us week. on youtube 
Follow me on Twitter at Mike M. Garcia. Come back next week. Live long and prosper. Bye.